0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The Gospel today, from the Gospel of Saint Matthew, chapter 12. And there is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned in this chapter. This prophecy is by Isaiah the prophet. And actually... This prophecy can be applied to all of us because we are required to grow into the image of Christ. We are required to grow into his likeness. So what was said to the Lord Jesus Christ should be a goal for us to achieve through the grace of God. The prophecy says, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen. How the Father speaks about the Son and calls him my servant, although the Son and the Father are one. Here actually is speaking about the Son in his incarnation. As we read in the letter of St. Paul to Philippians, That the son emptied himself, took the form of a man, and obeyed unto death the death of the cross. So here, my servant means the son who became man, who became in the likeness of servants. And the father said, my servant whom I have chosen. My servant whom I have chosen. What does it mean? I have it chosen here, because the son and the father are one from eternity. But as I I mentioned, it is about the son in his incarnation. So anyone who is in the son, who is united with the son, then will be chosen by God the Father. When actually we are hiding in the son, and you are united. With him, we are chosen by the Father. Then the Father said again, My beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. As we know, the Son came to fulfill the will of the Father. As he said in Gethsemane, Let it be not according to my will, but according to your will. And as St. Paul said, he obeyed unto death, the death of the cross. In his obedience, actually, all of us were considered obedient in the Son. The, The first sin of humanity is the sin of disobedience. So the Son came so that in his flesh he may fulfill the obedience that we could not fulfill and to fulfill the obedience in its complete form so again when we are united in him we actually our obedience would be considered as perfect not because we have a perfect obedience but since we are united with the son then our obedience in which we are struggling To be completely obedient will be considered by the father as a complete obedience in the obedience of the son. That's why he called him my beloved in whom whom I am well pleased. My beloved in whom I am well pleased. And the Lord actually, the father, spoke twice uh, in the New Testament about the son and said... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." The first time was during his baptism, and the second time during the transfiguration. During his baptism, because this was the beginning of his ministry. So at the beginning of his ministry, the father actually uh, declared to the whole world that this son is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased by his obedience. And also the second time in transfiguration, and transfiguration was before the crucifixion, before the journey to uh, Jerusalem to be crucified. And again, as if in the end of the ministry of the Son, the Lord, the Father, repeated the same words, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The first one in the beginning, before he started his ministry. Second one at the end of his ministry, when actually he was about to die on the cross for our salvation. And as I said, the Father can say about each one of us, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, when we are completely united with the Son. Then the Father said, I will put my spirit upon him. I will put my spirit upon him. Again, the Son is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit since eternity. So here he is speaking about the incarnated Son of God. The incarnated Son of God. Not about the Son as hypostasis, who is actually one with the Father and the Holy Spirit from eternity. And we know in baptism the Holy Spirit descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ as a dove and anointed him, anointed him to be our king and our high priest and our prophet. Our king to establish the kingdom of God on earth and to transfer us from the kingdom of Satan, kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God. And our prophet, prophet sends message from God to the people. That is the work of the prophet. So he was anointed as our prophet because God the Father speaks to us now through his son Jesus Christ, as St. Paul explained in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. And our high priest, because he came to offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross, he offered himself sincerely said, he is the high priest and he is the sacrifice at the same time because he offered himself. So I will put my spirit upon him. And again, all of us, we received the Holy Spirit when we were baptized and when we were chrismated with the holy oil, myron because in baptism we put on Christ so we are united with Christ and as Christ was anointed by the holy spirit all of us will be anointed by the holy spirit in the sacrament of chrismation then he said start to speak about ministry his ministry he said and he will declare justice to the gentiles Why to the Gentiles? In the Old Testament, you know, people were classified into Jews and Gentiles. Jews are the chosen people of God, are the people of God, to whom God sent the prophets. They have the tabernacle. They have the sacrifices. They have the promises. This, the chosen people of God. And the Gentiles were rejected. Not because of any bias, definitely not. But since the Gentiles rejected God, that's why they were rejected from the knowledge of God. But here Jesus Christ came in order to declare justice to the Gentiles, to tell the Gentiles, now the door is open for you. Now, if you believe in Christ, you can be among the family of God you will be among the chosen people of God. And you can have the worship, you can have the promises, you can have the covenant. The old covenant was only to Israel, but the new covenant is for everyone. That is the justice, that is the truth that the Son came to declare to the Gentiles. So one of the main mission or main goals of the incarnation of the Son of God is to unite the Gentiles with the Jews and to make them one family, the family of God. That is in the New Covenant. Then he spoke about the characteristic of the Son of God uh, in his incarnation. And this characteristic, again, it should be ours because we are required to grow into the image and likeness of Christ. He said about Christ, he will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Meaning what? Meaning he is a peacemaker. Meaning he is meek and kind. Meaning in dealing with others, he is gentle. He is of lowly heart. He is humble. And the children of God should be like this. When the Lord told us, learn from me, he told, learn from me because I am gentle and of lowly heart. So if we are truly the children of God, we need to be meek, humble. We need to be kind and gentle to one another. We need to deal with one another in a nice way. And thus, actually, we will be peacemakers. Some people, actually, they divide the, the people. And they make contention among the people, divisions among the people. They quarrel, they scream, they yell at each other. They don't respect one another. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he will not quarrel nor cry out nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. This should be uh, our goal, actually, in our life, how to live in meekness and gentleness. Then he said about the sun, a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory this actually is about encouragement words of encouragement if there is a bruised reed maybe when we see a bruised reed we get rid of it we throw it away in the trash it's it's bruised if we see a smoking flax we will quench it but the lord when we see when he sees one of us as a bruised reed he will not break rather he will support this bruised reed in order to be strong, in order to be uh, uh, steadfast and can survive. The same for a smoking flax. He will not quench, but he will blow in it gradually until it ignites again and will be full of fire. Number one, this actually gives us Courage and give us peace and hope inside our hearts if I am a bruised reed or if I am a smoking flax God still will have hope in me as we say he is the hope of the hopeless and he is the help of the helpless so if Satan tried to tell me you are a hopeless case Christ doesn't uh, like you Christ actually uh, will throw you away from his family. I will tell him, no, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. And we have many stories actually, how the Lord dealt with the adulterous woman, how he dealt with the sinful woman in the house of Pharisee, how he dealt with Zacchaeus, how he dealt with Peter. Many, many examples, It, it, it explains to us that the Lord was very, very gentle and kind and encouraging to the sinners. When actually people wanted to stone the uh, adulterous woman, he defended her and he stood next to her uh, until actually he was able to lead her to repentance. But as I said, all these verses should be applied to us. Sometimes we put For example, our children down. Uh, Instead of encouraging them, when I see my child like a bruised reed or smoking flax, I make fun of him, I put him down. And in our mind, when we put them down, maybe this will motivate them to work harder. But it doesn't work like this. Actually, in, in psychology and counseling, they found that positive... A, a reinforcement is much better than negative reinforcement. The words of encouragement actually can change the, the, the person. But not when you make fun of him or you put him down. This actually will not make him encouraged. Not only with our children, but with one another, with spouses. Uh, how, you know, the couple speak to each other. Do we speak to each other with respect, with encouragement, with gratefulness? Uh, Many times we we are looking for validation, but I cannot get this validation from uh, my spouse. Uh, When I speak about uh, how hard my work is or how my day was very hard, when I speak sentences like this, I'm looking for a word of validation, words of encouragement. But... Many, many times we are not sensitive to these words and we don't validate and we don't encourage one another. Here we need to learn from the Lord. How a bruised reed, he will not break. And smoking flax, he will not quench. Not only in the circle of the family, but outside the circle of the family, in our work, in our, in our church, in our community, in our neighborhood, how we should be encouraging, supporting uh, one another. For example, in, in treating of addiction, they tried many drugs and many ways to help people who are drug addict or alcoholic to overcome. And actually they found the best way for uh, addiction, for people to get rid of addiction, is the group therapy And the support groups. Because a person who is addict, he is actually knocked down to the bottle. He needs encouragement. He is like a bruised reed or smoking flags. He needs encouragement to take him out of this pit of addiction in order to overcome. This explains to us the importance of being supporting to one another. That's why in the Divine Liturgy we say, and he made us unto himself an assembled people. Why assembled people? Because when we are together, we encourage one another, and we support one another. And this is very healthy to the soul, and make us actually uh, grow with healthy soul. That's why it says, a bruised reed he will not break, smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. That is the road to victory. When we support one another, this is the road to victory. As I told you, how an addict overcome, for example, for overcome his addiction and to become victorious, it's through the support. And now there are many different types of addiction. Addiction of the gadgets, addiction of the computer, addiction of uh, social media. If you want actually to help your daughter or your son to overcome these types of addiction, you cannot help him by rebuking him or yelling at him, but you can help him by supporting and encouraging them, and you create an atmosphere of love and care and support. In this atmosphere, the change will happen. And this prophecy ended by a beautiful uh, uh, conclusion when the father said about the son, and in his name Gentiles will trust. The Gentiles again are the non-Jewish people who were not the people of God, who were not among his family. But these Gentiles in his name will have hope. And again, if I am a sinner, if I am outside the family of God, still I have hope. If I trust in the Lord and I return it back to Him, don't actually label anyone as a hopeless case. Even if this person is completely away from God, like the Gentiles who were rejected and were worshipping idols. But in the name of Jesus, the Gentile will trust So when we see somebody completely away from God, you need actually to introduce to him the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to ask him to put his trust in this name. This name is the name of salvation. This name is the name of power. This name is the name of strength. This name is the name of hope. In his name uh, the Gentiles will trust. So that is a prophecy of Isaiah about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the name of the Lord is a source of hope to the Gentiles, to the rejected, to the abandoned, in the same way, we as the children of God, we need to deliver and transmit this hope to everyone who feels rejected, who feels abandoned, who feels that he is not among the family of God. We need actually to convey this message the message of hope and salvation may the lord help all of us to grow into the image of christ and to be united in him truly and and sincerely so that we can actually uh, hear the voice of the father about each one of us behold my servant whom i have chosen my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.